Welcome to another episode of the Double Comma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So good morning. We're talking about appraisals this morning. I want to talk about appraisal hacks. I want to round out with a number of things that you can do if you're a buyer or a buyer's agent trying to get under contract. Uh, it's a little chippy out there. I mean, inventory has never been lower. In fact, it even went down nationwide. So the NAR just put out their existing home sales report at the end of last week. And our existing home inventory, the active inventory was 910 the previous month. It went down to around 860,000. That's nationwide. And I keep coming back to the fact that in Denver Metro, we have 3.3 million humans and 1.4 million households. When I look at that number, I go, how in the world do we have 860 homes for sale or active listings? But in fact, closed homes went up nationwide. They did not in the Denver Metro. In the Denver Metro, home sales in January went down because of our limited inventory. So what does this mean? This means that we're going to continue to see migration due to affordability. We're going to continue to see people moving about the cabin, people moving around the country to those areas that are drawing those millennials because millennials are around 63% of the financed purchases in Denver. Now, you know that there's many of those millennials that can't afford Denver. So where are they going? They're going to Boise. They're going to Kansas City. They're going to Tulsa. They're going to cities that are specifically identifying the need to grow that population and doing the things necessary to attract them, right? So upgrading their downtown, creating those social spaces, creating the sports events, all of those things are happening in those sub-markets that are creating primary markets. So here in the Denver Metro, you have a lot of people that are bidding up homes. And for those real estate agents that are watching this, we have a bid over ask that has been helping our agents communicate the opportunity with their buyers. And yes, you might bid 20, 30, 50, 100,000 over asking, and it might seem obscene to you. I am not overlooking that fact, right? But if I pay $100,000 over asking, yes, I might even pay $100,000 over value. How long will it take for me to make that value back? Now, if you had done that in the beginning of the pandemic and you had the majority of 2020 or even all of 2021, you would have made it back and then some. But even with the appreciation that we're expecting in 2022, you still will. And you'll still make it back quickly. Denver Metro historically appreciates at about 6% a year. Over the last couple years, it's been double digit as it has been in many metros. And we're expecting it to be double digit in 2022. So if you're purchasing a home now and you're paying 50 or 100,000 over asking, you'll still make that back. Now, will you make it back and will that be at the height? Will you start to lose value? Right? I mean, that's a fair question because this feels bubblish. This feels like we're at the top. Who shouldn't be asking that question? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into that, 
right? One of the things is we have a very strong economy underneath. In fact, some of the things that the Fed is doing is trying to pull back the economy from its extreme right now. The runaway inflation needs to be curtailed. And as the runaway inflation is curtailed, the economy will be slowed by the rising Fed rate. As the cost of money increases, right? It costs more to reinvest in your business. You have to get more efficient. You have to use technology. You have to be more systematic. You're gonna see businesses, real estate included, that is going to get more technology focused and driven. It is absolutely where this industry is going. It's where it's been going for more than the last two years. Right now, when the strong economy and the low interest rates that we've had, we have strong demand. Not only do we have strong demand fueled by these low interest rates, but we have strong demand because we know birth rates 33 years ago. The largest group of first time home buyers are 33 years old. Our largest age group today is 30. We know that we have the next two to three years of strong demand continued on a supply that cannot possibly recover quickly. It will recover, it absolutely will recover right? But the Denver market isn't a balanced market. It really never has been, except for maybe 2007, right before when we had an expansive amount of inventory. It just doesn't, it's not a balanced market. It's a seller's market because it continues to be a prime place to live, to raise kids, to go to college, to recreate, to do all the things. Denver continues to attract. We continue to have net population gains year over year over year. All of that to say that this demand is going to continue to put a strain on existing homes. People are going to be rate locked. They're going to stay in that home or they're going to convert it to an investment and they're not going to move out. Right. And builders can't build their way out of this. They're only 15 percent of the volume and they're strained as well with all the inventory issues and the supply chain issues. All of that to say that the prices of homes are not going to come down. The continued growth of the price of homes will slow down as we get to more of a normal seller's market instead of an extreme seller's market like we're in right now. So appraisal hacks becomes more important as I think about how do I go in with my best foot forward putting in an offer when I know we're going to have multiple bids, sometimes as much as $50,000 to $150,000 over. And I feel confident because the economy is strong and demand is going to continue and supply isn't rebounding and there's no foreclosures and there's no short sales because we've never seen this amount of equity in homes before. And Denver specifically, Denver is three from the bottom, Colorado is five from the bottom of all the states of all the metros of our late mortgage payments. We are in a very low delinquency market, which means alternatively, we are in a very safe housing market with a lot of equity and very qualified buyers. In fact, the average buyer that uses a loan in Colorado has a 737 credit score and a 73 loan to value. So they're putting more than 25% down and they have a strong credit score. This is going to continue that strong economic housing market. So how do I get in? What are some of the hacks that I can use to get a house under contract? Right? So I want to really talk about appraisals first and then I'll talk about the rest of the hacks. And it took a long time to set that up, but I think it's important to understand and to be able to communicate and to feel 
right? If I'm a buyer and I have a number of buyers on my team, if I'm a buyer, I'm worried. Why wouldn't I be? These prices seem out of control, right? And now rising interest rates is causing that monthly payment to go up. So I really have to second guess, does this make sense? And that's a question only you can answer. But my outsider's opinion would tell you that yes, yes, this makes sense. When I compare this to where rents are going, you are better off growing and building your own equity and revenue stream with that house if you in turn then change it into an investment. Or even if you're just buying one primary and that's it, you're done, right? If you're buying one primary, did you know that 80% of Americans like buy wealth, not the top 20%, but the bottom 80%, 75% of their net wealth is in their singular primary home. And with the equity growth that we've seen over the last couple of years, and we'll continue to see, not at the same level of extreme, but we're going to continue to see that equity growth. 75% of the net wealth of that 80% of Americans is in their singular home. What if they're renters? What are they worth today? That 75% is it's gone. It's important to be able to take that first step, that leap into first-time home buying or move-up buying, or if you're an agent watching this, helping that person get off the fence and into the pipeline and into home ownership. So let's talk about appraisals. Okay. So first off, I want to talk about the desktop appraisals because that's uh, a lot of lenders are talking about it and talking about, you know, here's this big news. And it, it is it is big news. It's news anyway. It's an, it's an alternative. And I want to make sure that you know that you have this alternative because we had it all through COVID. So it's not something new. It's something that we recreated in a much more limited format from COVID. Because during COVID, we had desktop appraisal availability on any property purchased. It could be multi-unit, it could be investment, it could be second homes, primary homes, it could be any amount down. If you knew that the person in there, the seller or the tenant uh, had COVID, or if you had an appraiser that was worried about contracting COVID, you could request a desktop appraisal. And that was absolutely allowed. So this is not new. We were, Sandra Thompson, uh, they took it away at the very end. So I think it was like November. I can't remember exactly uh, of last year. Maybe it was a little bit earlier than that when they took that away. And they said, okay, we're no longer going to allow the, uh, the reason being uh, the pandemic to do a desktop appraisal. You're only going to get it if it's allowed and it's not really allowed. So you're going to go back to full appraisals um, or appraisal waivers, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Well, Sandra Thompson came out saying that she was going to bring it back. And we expected her to bring it back in January. They talked about doing that right away on a grander scheme, pretty much to mirror what was allowed during the pandemic. That didn't happen. It took Sandra Thompson until now to release it. And it's very small. Okay, so here's what you get. You can request a desktop appraisal. It will actually be given to you as an option when us as the lenders uh, run automated underwriting systems. So AUS for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. This is just for conventional. So this is not Govy. This is not FHA, VA, or USDA. And it's not jumbo loans. So this is just conventional, conforming, and high balance. It's only on one unit. So single family homes purchased as a primary residence with a minimum of 10% down. Those are the guidelines and the restrictions. It's pretty limited. Now, if you do a desktop appraisal and you request one, and for some reason it comes in a little low, 
and your note, your loan to value, which if you're putting 10% down, your loan to value is 90%. If your loan to value goes lower, uh, I'm sorry, goes higher than 90%, right? Because that appraisal came down in value. So if I was buying a $600,000 home uh, and I was putting $60,000 down, right? And if that value comes in at 560, now my loan, which is 540 compared to 560, is no longer at 90%. I've gone higher because that appraisal came down and was lower. So if that happens, Fannie and Freddie have both said that we'll keep the desktop appraisal. It won't get wiped away just because you no longer have 10% equity in the deal based on the appraisal. So when do I want to use a desktop appraisal? Because you have to make a decision. If you're putting more than 10% down, more than likely you're going to have the option to do this if you're buying a single family home as a primary residence. So when do you want to do a desktop appraisal? I would absolutely do a desktop appraisal if the listing agent has pictures of the home that are better than the current condition. Is that sneaky? I don't know. Maybe, right? Maybe there's a tenant in there. But you as the buyer have done a walkthrough. You've seen and you know what you're getting into. You're still going to do an inspection to verify the stability and the safety of that home, the habitability of that home. You're going to have boots on the ground and you're going to see that. But as from a value perspective, if I know that that house has undergone a little wear and tear, more so than the pictures that I have online that the appraiser has access to, I might choose a desktop appraisal, especially if it's currently being rented. I also might choose a desktop appraisal if I have extenuating circumstances outside of my control, right? Maybe I have hoarder neighbors, right? I've had those neighbors. I'm not judging. I'm simply saying that maybe some of those things in the next door neighbor's yards would detract from the overall experience that that appraiser is going to have when he walks into your new home. Again, you as the buyer had boots on the ground. You saw it. You know what the neighbors look like. So you chose to buy that home. What if that home backs up to a grocery store? <laughs> I, I have a Safeway that's two blocks away. And this beautiful home went for over a million dollars and literally outside of the front door, three seasons a year, there's the grocery store right there, right? But it went for over a million dollars uh, in the summertime. So is that a distractor? You know, when there's lots of trees and growth? No. But if there's no trees and no growth and the snow has removed all the leaves, then it might be a detractor on the experience that the appraiser is having. Now, appraisers are meant to use data and comparables, but this is also a human job. And I'm just simply saying those might be the instances when you want to use a desktop appraisal. When you don't absolutely want to use a desktop appraisal is when you know you are on point, right? When everything has been remodeled, you want him to come in and see all of the remodels, the bathroom, the bedrooms, when you want measurements to be done. Those are when you're going to want to hire and have that appraiser actually boots on the ground, walk into that home and give you a full appraisal report and the value based on that full report. But one of the benefits of a desktop appraisal is the buyer's agent, the listing agent, any of the parties of the transaction can actually give the appraiser, well, you'd give it to the lender to give to the appraisal company, who would then in turn give it to the appraiser, 
give the appraiser pictures, data, comparables, anything before they do the report, anything to consider. Now, he's going to have to evaluate uh, the accuracy of that information and put it in the context of his entire report, but you are able to do that. Typically, on traditional appraisals, you do it after the fact. If that report comes in low, you usually give him data and comparables and pictures that might lift that appraisal value. Uh, but the agents can meet the appraiser at the home with a listing package or a comparables package, right? All of that is doable. Also, and the one other reason why you might want to choose the desktop appraisal is speed or price. They're going to be a little cheaper. I don't know. If you're buying $50,000, $100,000 over asking, what's saving $250? If that's a thing, absolutely, it's going to be a little bit cheaper and it might be a little faster. Might be. It depends on the area, right? Some areas have very few appraisers. In the Denver market, I'd say that most appraisers are bored right now based on the volume that they were kicking up last year and the lack of volume that they're seeing this year. So I would say that they're probably about the same speed here in Denver, but in some areas you have less appraisers and that desktop appraisal is gonna be faster. So that's the difference. These come live for Freddie Mac on March 6th and for Fannie Mae on March 19th. Really, really good to know. So let's talk about appraisal waivers and appraisal gap insurance. So appraisal waivers I can get when I run through an address through automated underwriting system, that AUS, and it actually tells me that based on the database that either Fannie or Freddie has, again, this is just conventional, not Govy and not Jumbo. These appraisal waivers are based on the databases of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So if that home had a loan on it, and that loan was insured by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, then that, then that database could calculate what it determines the appropriate brackets of value for that home are, right? What's the low and high end of the value of that home based on the data that we already have and the appreciation numbers we know exist. So if I have a client that is putting 20% down, so if I have a client that's putting 20% down, and it's a good credit profile, I could get an appraisal waiver if Fannie or Freddie had that loan already in their database. And the value that I put into this file was within that bracket. That's really important because I want to give you an example. A member of my team just put in an offer and I don't know that I would have thought that this would have gotten an appraisal waiver, but it did. She, the house was listed at 739,000. She put in an offer of 851,000, right? So 739 to 851, and she got an appraisal waiver. So what does that appraisal waiver mean? That appraisal waiver means that you do not need to order an appraisal, not a desktop and not a full, no appraisal whatsoever, as long as the parameters of that loan doesn't change. So what if I was putting 20% down? Now, based on the parameters, um, what if I was putting 20% down, but now based on the parameters of my loan, I chose, I only want to put 15% down. Well, if, as a buyer, if I change the financing to 15% down, then I'm in a position where I could lose that appraisal waiver. That's important because we talked about earlier, not losing the desktop. You can lose the appraisal waiver if you change the parameters of your loan. Again, really good to know going in, especially if you gain that contract 
based on having the appraisal waiver and a quick close, you're not going to want to change the parameters of your loan in order to facilitate your personal finances because you might just lose that appraisal waiver. So those appraisal waivers are gold and we can actually run them before you actually go under contract. So if you have an address and you know what offer you're putting in, we can run automated underwriting. And if you do not get that contract, then we're going to terminate that, that loan based on the non-fulfillment of that contract, right? So it's work for me as a lender to do that because I have to start a loan and I have to terminate that loan based on, or reverse that loan based on you not getting that contract. But that's an edge up and an ability where this person was allowed to put in an offer very strong waiving the appraisal. The last thing is the appraisal gap insurance, right? That's kind of cheeky and I love it. But the appraisal gap insurance means that if I was going in at 739,000, this was the list, and I offered 851, that gap is huge. So what if I didn't get the appraisal waiver, right? If I didn't get that appraisal waiver and I did an appraisal gap where I said I will cover the appraisal gap and that appraisal didn't come in at 851, maybe it came in at 800 or 820. Then based on my original loan amount, if she was putting down 20% or 25%, we could shift the loan to value and absorb that difference and not have that buyer bring any additional money to closing. That's huge. And how do we do that? We do that with mortgage insurance. I mean, it's not complicated. It's creative. It's about supporting buyers getting to the closing table. It's about helping our clients and our real estate partners win the deal doing everything we can to make it the smoothest process possible. And we do that by offering the appraisal waiver opportunity, the desktop appraisals, and then yes, the appraisal gap insurance, all of those helping. And I hope that helped. I hope I went through those in a way that made sense. So the last couple of things I want to make sure that we talk about is the fact that we know that it feels like cash is king right now right? We're losing offers because there's multiple bids and there's much demand creating an extremely competitive environment. So what does that mean to me as a buyer wanting to get in, right? What advantages can I put on the table? Maybe I don't have cash. Well, interesting stat. I want to share this. So in the last 30 days in the Denver market, 18.7% of all the closings were done with cash. That means more than 80% of all the purchases had a loan. More than 80% of the purchases had a loan. So if you're working with a loan, you do not have an extreme disadvantage. Do you have a slight disadvantage? Sure, because 18.7 got it with cash. Nationwide, that number's higher. It's 27 point, uh, 27% paid with cash last month. So that's really good to know. So it's not the end all if you don't have cash. So how do you get as competitive as possible knowing that you've got a loan. Here's some of the ways. Know your appraisal options and work them. Work that appraisal waiver if you can. Get the desktop appraisal so you can get it quicker and you can make that deadline fast. Put your loan through an entire TBD underwrite. What does that mean? To be determined. That means that we can fully underwrite your loan before you ever find a property. You want to do that ahead of time before you go shopping so that we can close your loan in eight to 10 days. Now I can close, 
I can, don't tell my ops team this, but I can close your loan in 10 days, even if I've never talked to you before, depending on what you're buying and how complicated your loan file is. It's absolutely doable. It's a lot of work and it's going to take 100% of your time as the buyer. But I got to know, it's not, it can't be a condo, it can't be a jumbo, right? You've got to have all your ducks in a row and all your paperwork. You've got to be 100% compliant. But if I do a TBD underwrite, I don't have to stress you out and worry about those things. I know your loan is approved. Then I can get an appraisal waiver, I can do a desktop appraisal, or I can order that appraisal on a rush and get it back quickly so that your deadlines are fast. Then you can also do an inspection, pass or fail. Waive the objection, just do the deadline, and depending on that home, right, it's a pass or fail. That allows or that tells the seller that you're not going to try and negotiate at the time of inspection. So if you're able to waive or do an appraisal gap, um, make the deadline tighter, you're able to do the pass or fail inspection, you're able to do an 8 to 10 day close, does that not feel like it's successful? It definitely feels like an edge. In addition to that, if you've gone through our TBD underwrites, we're also, I'm personally guaranteeing up to $15,000 of your earnest money. That's a lot of money, but I believe in my team and I believe in the underwrite. So if you're fully underwritten and you don't lose your job or do something to wreck your credit between that time and the time you close, then I've got your back. That way you can waive the loan availability deadline. All of this to ensure that you get the contract and then you get to the closing table. Because as we talked about, 75% of the 80% of Americans, their net worth is in their home. What would it mean if not only you had one home, but two or three? And we can help you get there. And I would love to do it. Well, Nicole Ruth with Ruth Team Fairway Mortgage. I hope you guys are making an awesome day. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.